morning we'll be doing a read-through of Esther, so I'll just press there with uh, Proverbs 19, 20, 21, so you can just stand and have it read for you. But if you want to open up to Esther, that's where we're going to be this morning. Proverbs 19, 20, and 21 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction, that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning to come and hear your word preached, to sing unto you, to pray unto you as a gathered people, united by your spirit. Lord, help us to recognize that your purposes will stand, that they have stood. Help us to hold fast to the promises that you have made, knowing that they are not empty, but that they are the sure foundation of our hope in you. As we hear your word read this morning, uh, may we remember that, that though we make plans, that though we see different evils taking place around us, around the world, that we would trust in your purposes and know that they will stand. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So I'm looking forward, I trust you are as well, um, a a several weeks study in the book of Esther. Um, Perhaps you have read the book of Esther, perhaps you have not. You have an opportunity this morning if we'll read it together and look forward to our time of walking back through the text piece by piece. Of course, the book will preach a little bit differently than 1 Peter or the letters, as Dan mentioned, uh, in the seven letters to the seven churches of of, uh, Revelation. So we'll look at uh, Hebrew narrative a bit. As you consider, how should I listen to Hebrew narrative? How should Hebrew narrative be spoken to me? How should it be preached? I will give you just a couple of pieces for this morning. Um... One, you'll notice, and, and perhaps you already know this, but I will just put this out there, three pieces as we move forward, and then I'll jump right into the reading. It'll take a few moments. Number one, you know, in the book of Esther, the word God does not appear, or the name God does not appear in the book. Of course, that is a piece we'll tackle as we look at the book more in depth, but you'll notice that one canonical book standing out where the name God does not appear. Number two, as to the reading, as I jump in just here in a moment, Pay attention to the feast cycle. Hebrew narrative functions with signposts throughout the text to move the story along. It is written as history, but it's a historical story. So you'll notice that the, the plot and the theme, they thicken. And they move along according to the feast cycle. So each time you're approaching the feast, notice there's going to be a shift in the story. Thirdly, exercise patience and grace towards me as I read a bunch of Hebrew names, I am not very familiar with. There's a handful of them here. I will do my best to get through them without messing them all up. I've looked at them a time or two, but they're still Hebrew names. Let's begin. Esther, chapter 1. Now in the days of Hashuerus, the Ashuerus, who reigned from India to Ethiopia, over 127 provinces, in those days when King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne in Susa, the capital, in the third year of his reign, he gave a feast for all of his officials and servants, the army of Persia and Media, and the nobles and the governors of the provinces were all before him, while he showed the riches of his royal glory and splendor and pomp of his greatness for many days, 180 days. And when these days were completed, the king gave for all the people present in Susa the citadel, both great and small, a feast, lasting for seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. 
There were white cotton curtains and violet hangings fastened with rods of fine linen and purple to silver rods and marble pillars and also couches of gold and silver, a mosaic pavement, a porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. Drinks were served in golden vessels, vessels of different kinds, and the royal wine was lavished according to the bounty of the king. Drinking was according to this edict. There is no compulsion. For the king had given orders to all the staff of his palace to do as each man desired. Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women in the palace that belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bista, Arbona, Bigsta, and Abagsta, Bethar, and Carcass, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus, to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to show the people and the princess her beauty. For she was lovely to look at. The Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command, delivered by the eunuchs. At this, the king became enraged, and his anger burned within him. And the king said to the wise men, who knew the time, for this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law and judgment, the men next to him being Karstina, Shethmar, Adma, Tarshish, Mirs, Marcina, Memuten, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who saw the king's face and sat first in the kingdom. According to the law, what is to be done to Queen Vashti? because she has not performed the command of the king Ahasuerus delivered by the eunuch. Then Memokin said in the presence of the king and the official, not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials, all the people who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, for the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husband with contempt, since they will say, well, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard of the Queen's behavior, will say the same to all the King's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. If it pleases the King, let a royal order Go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be revealed that Vashti is never again come before King Ahasuerus. And let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So in the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all the kingdom, for it is that all women will give honor to their husbands. High and This advice pleased the king and the princess and the king did as Memukin proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in its own script, to every people in its own language, that every man be master in his own household and speak according to the language of his people. After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had abated, 
He remembered Vashti, what she had done, and what had been decreed against her. And the king's young men who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king. Let the king appoint officers in all the province of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem in Susa, the capital, under custody of Haggah, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given them, and let the young women who pleases the king be queen instead of Ashti. This principle ain't it so. Now, there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, son of Timah, son of Kish, of Benjamin, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Shechaniah, king of Judah, who Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is, Esther, the daughter of his uncle. She had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother had died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. And the young young woman pleased him and won his favor, and he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food, and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace, and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred. For Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Now, when the turn came for each young woman to go into King Ahasuerus after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period of her beautifying, six months with oil and myrrh, and six months with spices and ointments for women. When the young woman went into the king in this way, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go in, and in the morning, she would return to the second harem in custody of Sheshbon, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubine. She would go in to the king again. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her. And she was summoned by name. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter. To go into the king, she asked for nothing except that Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now, Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tephet, in the 
seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all virgins. So that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of that. Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Now, when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bixar and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold, became angry, sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther. And Esther told the king, in the name of Mordecai, when the affair was investigated and found out to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai, he did not bow down or pay homage. King's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, he would not listen to them. They told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's word was said, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him, the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast her, that is Lot, before Haman, day after day. And they cast it month after month, till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's law, so that it is not to the king's prophet to tolerate. 
But to please the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed. I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasure. So the king took his signet ring from his hand, gave it to Haman, the Abigail, the son of Hamadiah, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The money is given to you. The people also. To do with them as it seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the thirteenth day of the first month, and an edict, according to all that Haman commanded, was written to the king's fat traps and to the governors over all the provinces and to the officials of all the people to every province in its own script and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were written by couriers to all the king's provinces with instructions to destroy, kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the people to be ready for that day. The couriers went in hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to graze. But the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's young women and her eunuch came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend to her and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave them a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, 
that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg for his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death. Except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king in 30 days. They told Mordecai what Esther said. Then Mordecai told them, Reply to Esther, Do not think yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place. You and your father's house will perish. Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king. Though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went and went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robe, stood in the inner court of the king's palace, in front of the king's quarter. While the king was sitting on his throne, inside the throne room, opposite the entrance to the palace. When the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you, even to half of my kingdom. And Esther said, If it please the king, let the king and Haman come to a feast that I prepare for the king. And the king said, Bring Haman quickly, so that we may do as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine, after the feast, the king said to Esther, What is your wish? 
It shall be granted you. And, and what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Esther answered, My wish and my request is this. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my wish to fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will fulfill them. And tomorrow I will do as the king will say. And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself, and he went home. And he sent and brought his friends and his wife, Zeresh. And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions with which the king had honored him, and how he had advanced him above all the officials and the servants of the king. Then Haman said, Even Queen Esther, let no one but me come with the king to the feast he has prepared. And tomorrow, also I am invited by her together with the king. Yet all this is worth nothing to me. So long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. And his wife, the rest, and all his friends, said to him, Let a gallows fit the cubit tied in me. And in the morning, tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to speak. This idea pleased Haman. And he had the gallows made. On that night, the king could not sleep. And he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds, the chronicle. And they were read before the king. And it was found written. Mordecai had told about Bixana and Teresh. Two of the king's units who guarded the threshold and who sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And the king said, what honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? King's young men who attended him said, nothing. Nothing has been done for him. The king said, Who is in the court? Now, Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanging on the gallows, which he had prepared for him. And the king's young men told him, Haman is here, standing in the court. And the king said, Well, let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, What should be done? To the man whom the king delights to honor. Haman said to him, 
himself was king. Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let royal robes be brought, which the king has worn, and the horse that the king has ridden, and, and on whose head a royal crown is set, and let the robes and the horse be handed over to, to one of the king's most noble officials. Uh, let them dress the man whom the king delights to honor, and, and let them lead him on a horse through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, this shall it, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry. Yes, take the robe and the horse, as you have said, and do so for Mordecai, the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have made. So Haman took the robe and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai, and led him to the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And Mordecai returned to the king's gate. Came and hurried to his house morning with his head covered. Haman told his wife Zeresh and all of his friends everything that had happened to him. Then his wife men and his wife Zeresh said to him, It's Mordecai before whom you have begun to fall is of the Jewish people. You will not overcome him, but will truly fall before him. While they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther. So the king and Haman went into the second day. As they were drinking wine after the feast, the king again said to Esther, What is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request, even to the half of my kingdom? It shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and it it please the king. Let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. For we have been told, I and my people to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated 
if we had been sold, merely as slaves, men and women, I, I would have been silent, for our affliction is not to be compared with the loss of the king. Said King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? Who is there to do this? And Esther said, and an enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. And the king arose in his wrath from the wine drinking and went into the palace garden. But Haman, he stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther. For he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine. And Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. And the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence, in my own house? As the word left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Moreover, gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king. It's standing in Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the king said, hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. In the wrath of the king of David. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king. For Esther told what he was to her. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and he gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman, the Agagite, and the plot that he had divided against the Jews. When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, Esther arose and stood before the king, and she said, If it please the king, if I found favor in your sight, and if the thing seems right before the king, I am pleasing, if I am pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadita, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are, in, who are in all the provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? And King Hashwaras said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman and hanged him on the gallows because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regards to the Jews in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. The 
king scribes were summoned at the time, the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the thirtieth, uh, on the twenty-third day. And edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews, to the satraps, to the governors, to the officials, to the provinces, uh, from India to Ethiopia, a hundred and twenty-seven provinces, to each province in its own script, and to each people in its own language, and also to the Jews in their script and their language. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed it with the king's signet ring. Then he sent the letters by mounted couriers riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend their lives, to destroy, kill, and to annihilate any armed forces of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included and to plunder their goods. On one day, throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, a copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province being publicly displayed to all people. And the Jews were to be ready on that day to take vengeance on their enemies. So the couriers mounted on their swift horses that were used the king's service rode out hurriedly, urged by the king's command. And the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes in blue and white and with a great golden crown and with a robe of fine linen and purple. And the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. The Jews had life and gladness and joy and honor in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached. There was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews for fear of the Jews had fallen on them. Now in the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who had hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm. And no one could stand against them. For the fear of them had fallen on all people. All the officials of the provinces, the satraps and the governors, and the royal agents also helped the Jews. For the fear of Mordecai had fallen on them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and its fame spread throughout all the provinces. For the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. The Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and did as they pleased those who hated them. In Susa, the citadel itself, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. 
also killed Harshanda, Jalpa, Aspasa, and Paratha, and Adalia, and Eridata, and Hermasta, and Erisai, and Eridai, and Parzata, the ten sons. Son of Hamadisa, the enemy of the Jews. But they laid no hand on the plunder. That very day, the number of those killed in Susa, the citadel, was reported to the king. And the king said to Queen Esther, In Susa, the citadel, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men. And also, Ten sons of Haman. What then have they done in the rest of the king's province? Now, what is your wish? It shall be granted to you. And what further is your request? It shall be fulfilled. Esther said, If it please the king, let the Jews who are in Susa be allowed tomorrow also to do according to this day's edict. Let the ten sons of Haman be hanged on the ground. So the king commanded this to be done. A decree was issued in Susa, and the ten sons of Haman were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa gathered also on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they killed three hundred men in Susa. But they laid no hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives. And they got relief from their enemies. And they killed 75,000 of those who hated them. But they laid no hands on the plunder. This is on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And on the 14th day they rested. And made that a day of feasting and gladness. The Jews who were in Susa gathered on the 13th day of the 14th month and rested on the 15th day, making that a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, Jews of the villages live in the rural towns for the 14th day of the month of Adar as a day of gladness and feasting, as a holiday. It's a day on which they send gifts of food to one another. Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obligating them to keep the 14th day of the month of Adar and also the 15th day of the same year by year as the days in which the Jews got relief from their enemies. And as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into holiday. 
that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews accepted what they had started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast her, that is, cast lots, crushed and destroyed them. When it came before the king, he gave orders in writing that his evil plan that he had devised against the Jews should return on his own head and that he and his son to be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, they call these days Purim. After the term Pur. Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter and of what they had forced or faced in this matter and of what had happened to them, the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them, that without fail, they would keep these two days according to what was written. And at the time appointed every year that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, in every clan, province, and city, and that these days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews. Nor shall the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihel, and Mordecai, the Jew, gave full written authority confirming this second letter about Purim. Letters were sent to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, in words of peace and truth, that these days of Purim should be observed at their appointed seasons as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther obligated them and as they had obligated themselves and their offspring with regard to these feasts and their lamenting. The command of Queen Esther confirmed these practices of Purim, and it was recorded in writing. King Ahasuerus imposed tax on land and on the coastlands of the sea. And all the acts of his power and might and the full account of the high honor of Mordecai, which the king advanced him, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Ahasuerus. He was great among the Jews, popular with the multitude of his brothers. 
where he taught the welfare of his people. And he spoke peace to all of the people. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, we're thankful for your most holy word. We're thankful to gather as the pilgrims on the way on Lord's Day to pay attention to Paul from Timothy. Pay attention to the public reading of Holy Scripture. We have done that. We pray that you will bless the reading of your holy word. That we'll see it as you intended it. There's a true, everlasting, ever abiding story of significance for your people. You're one people. The church of all that new covenant. The people purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those who rely on your providential care every single moment of every single day. As a Jew, the whole covenant relied upon your providence, you moving in mysterious ways to the advancement of some, to the destruction of others, to the good and feasting and gathering of people where decisions are made, lives are impacted. The same way we live today. Rejoicing, regathering, feasting, fellowship, joy, conversations had, decisions are made, and lives are altered and changed. We just give thanks as we step back from this glorious story and truth of it to give honor and glory and praise to your name. And thank you for your active providence. We are not healed. We trust and hope in the living God. Who is active in all that he has created, governing all of his creatures and their actions for our good and your glory. Praise be to your name. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.